0: Good morning and welcome to the Sunday stream at Flat Creek Baptist Church. We are so thankful that you've joined us today. Whether you're watching online or you are joining us on Glory FM 97.5, we are grateful for you being here today and we look forward to worshiping alongside of you this morning. God bless you and enjoy the stream. Let's try that one more time. Good morning. We are so grateful for you being here today for a time of worship with us here at Flat Creek Baptist Church, and God is doing a great work, and we are seeing uh, people saved just on a really a daily basis. It's just been an amazing uh, time of worship of ministry here in Flat Creek as we see God just sweeping through our congregation and just great revival taking place. In the month of October, we've already baptized nine people. And as of today, we have 19 people to go. Amen. Yeah, that's a good reason to applaud Miss Debbie. Absolutely. And listen, I don't want you to hear me wrong. It's not because of Pastor Zach. It's it's not because of Brother Caleb. It's not because of Miss Breeze. It's not because of our praise team or our choir, our deacons, our Sunday school teachers. Everything is because of the Lord Jesus Christ. We give him all the glory, honor, and praise today. So, y'all give him a moment of praise this morning, here today. So, we have five people to baptize this morning. So, I want y'all to give a big hand to Miss Eva Scally this morning. hey to, to to know eva scally and to know her parents justin and katie is to know the lord jesus christ amen uh just some of those precious people that we have here at flat creek and during our revival just two weeks ago uh, on the last night eva came to me and she said pastor zach when i was a little girl Um, I thought that I knew what it was to be saved, but last year at youth camp, I truly gave my life to Christ, and I need to get baptized, and I said, well, Eva, it'll be my honor. I'm a Baptist after all. I love to baptize, so we got you covered, and so, Eva, I'm so thankful for you today. Have you given your life to the Lord Jesus Christ?
1: Yes. It
0: is my pleasure to baptize you, my sister, in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Hey, I'll tell you, that young lady right there, there's some some names that are written down in Baptist church history like Lottie Moon and Annie Armstrong and people like this. And I'll I'll tell you, I believe that Eva's name one day is gonna go right aside of them. She is one of the most precious young ladies you'll ever meet. Y'all give it up today for Piper. Piper, you come on. Hey, what a special day this is for Piper. Uh, her sister was just recently baptized nala where are you at back there nala nala was just baptized a few weeks ago and she began right then after she was baptized and saved she began to pray for her sister she told me she said please pray for my sister because i believe the lord is going to do a great work in her and he wants to save her and so during our revival i guess it was on monday or tuesday night piper came forward to give her life to christ and so if you've given your heart to jesus Yes. then it's my pleasure to baptize you, my sister, in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Up next, we have Kinsley. Y'all give Kinsley a big hand today.
1: Hey,
0: Kinsley is a, a sweet and precious young lady who is actually a part of our Awana's program. And uh, if you're involved with Awana's, just stand up real quick. If you're one of our Awana's leaders, one of our teachers, just stand up. Look all around. These are folks that are here every Wednesday night leading our kids to a relationship with Jesus. And we're so thankful for each one of them. And Kinsley recently on a Wednesday night, I think it was two Wednesday nights ago, gave her heart and life to Christ. So Kinsley, have you been saved? It is my pleasure to baptize you, my sister, in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. (laughs) Y'all give it up for Jason. Jason, y'all give it up for Jason this morning. Hey, what a great guy Jason is, man, just coming out of a lot of different life experiences. But two Sundays ago, gave his heart and life to the Lord Jesus Christ at the end of a Sunday morning service. And he just told me, he said, Brother Zach, I need to get baptized. And this morning he said, please hold me under till the water quits bubbling because I want to make sure it takes. So I'm going to put him to the bottom, okay? We're going to get him all the way. We're going to make sure it takes. Uh, but Jason, I love you, man. Have you given your heart to Jesus? Yes, sir, I have. Then it's my pleasure to baptize you, my brother, in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Hey, he really did. He hit the bottom. He went. He went all the way to the floor. Good job, Jason. Uh, and Brian, y'all give a big hand for Brian this morning. Hey, Brian is one of the many uh, youth that have been coming through Flat Creek, just like Eva and Piper have already come through here. But Brian is one of the students up at West Hall High School. And uh, amen. Recently walked into a FCA meeting and then started attending and I came down during our revival once again And just before service started said I need to be baptized and uh, because the service was about to begin I I handed him over to mr. Todd Jones up there Todd You can wave there way up in the balcony up there Uh, Todd spent a a good 30 to 40 minutes with Brian uh, back in miss Linda's office before the service began And it was then that Brian gave his life to the Lord Jesus Christ. So Brian have you been saved? Yes, sir. Then it's my pleasure to baptize you, my brother, in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Hey, isn't that a great blessing, Flat Creek? Let's give the glory to the Lord this morning. What a blessing it is to see all five folks baptized in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ today. We're going to hand it over to Brother Caleb, our worship minister at this time.
2: Y'all go ahead and stay standing. We're going to sing, Blessed be the name of the Lord. Y'all sing with us. this morning. Please be seated at this time. Now, if you will notice, uh, there were some extra singers coming up on the stage during that song. I want to draw your attention right here. We have our preschool kids choir, and they're going to sing this little light of mine for you. this time the preschool kids choir is going to come over here and they're going to follow miss breeze down on down to children's church so y'all go right over here with miss breeze she's going to lead you on down to children's church one more round of applause for the preschool kids choir at flat creek all right now as they're making their way out of the room we have a little bit larger choir behind us which is really fun to sing with them up here by the way i just want to say that so you're all hired to be part of the regular choir too okay All right, I got some thumbs up. I'll take it. All right, they're going to sing Let Me Tell You About My Jesus. So y'all make sure to pay special close attention to this.
3: Calvary, pay the price for all my guilty, who would care that much about me, let me tell you about my Jesus, oh.
2: bless your heart won't it all right well as the oh smack you in the face as the kids are making their way down miss breeze is going to lead them on to children's church uh right now i know that's a song or two early but we figured that's the best way to do it so that as they make their way down i want to ask pastor zach if he'll come up y'all go ahead and have a seat real quick and he's going to lead us in a time of prayer before we sing our our next two songs
0: Come well, they want to be a
2: you to stand and let's sing this hymn together rejoice in the knowledge that jesus is ours and we are his let's sing with you. I completely forgot about that fourth verse, but that's a blessing. Amen. That's what we have to look forward to because we're a child of the King. I hope you are. I am. And I want to share that with you. Let's sing this song together. Who you say I am. You may be
0: seen. Amen. Thank you, Brother Caleb. Thank you, Praise Team. Thank you, Children's Choir. Uh, What a great, great blessing uh, it is to join together in worship every Sunday. Amen. Amen. Uh, If you'll go ahead today and open your Bibles to the book of Romans. Thank you, friend. If you'll open your Bibles today to the book of Romans, chapter number six, the book of Romans chapter 6. If you are with us for the first time here at Flat Creek today, uh, we are so grateful that you are here. And um, we believe at Flat Creek in the expository preaching of God's word. And what that means is we believe uh, that this is the inspired word of God. And so here at Flat Creek, we like to take books of the Bible and we go word by word, verse by verse, chapter by chapter, book by book, through the Bible. And so if you're here with us for the first time today, you're going to be picking up in the middle of a walkthrough of the book of Romans. Uh, But do not let that discourage you. Do not think that you're going to be just left behind. I promise you that all will become clear and make sense to you as we go on today. But today we're going to be in Romans chapter 6, verse 12 through verse number 14. And I want to bring a message to you today entitled, Marching Orders for the saints. Marching orders for the saints. You know, as we come to the text this morning, if I could just take a brief moment to remind you of the extensive ground that we covered last Sunday pertaining to the events that we see taking place in the land of Israel. If you were watching the news this week, you saw that the events there continue to unfold, and it is become quite obvious to all of us that, that right now the land of Israel is at a boiling point. At any moment, Israel is going to begin a ground invasion into Palestinian territory. As the week is going on, things have simply gotten progressively worse and worse. And the images that we see on our television screens are becoming more and more brutal. I'm sure that most of you probably saw the images this week of the hospital bombing that took place as 500 people there in Palestinian territory perished. As you look at the television screen today, you will notice that the entire land is destroyed. Bodies line the streets. And the reality is this, that entire region, if not the entire world, is on the brink of war. The images that we see before us are certainly disheartening. And they're unsettling as we witness the chaos and the destruction which is left behind as a result of the depravity of humanity. And what we see with our eyes this morning is a real, violent, physical war. However, I want everyone in the room this morning to realize that there is a far greater war taking place this morning, which you can't see. There's a war that is raging, which has eternal significance. A war so heinous, a war so brutal, a war so violent that if the veil was removed from our eyes this morning to, witnesses, to witness it, the images that we see on our television screen between Israel and Hamas would seem like child's play. You see, friends, the war that I'm talking about this morning isn't a war that you have to travel to the other side of the world to witness. Because this war has crossed our borders, it has infiltrated our state, it has swept through our city, and has penetrated our front door. The war that I'm speaking of this morning is a spiritual war. It's a war between light and darkness. A war that is raging as I speak between the spirit and and the flesh, a war between good and evil, a war between the forces of heaven and the forces of hell, a war which is raging this morning over the souls of humanity. And every single person in this room, watching online, listening on the radio, every single person under the sound of my voice right now, you are caught up in this war. All of us are engaged. Not a single person who has ever lived is exempt because you have been plunged into this war by nature of your physical birth. You know, I'm reminded of of a man that I used to pastor down in South Carolina. His name was Tommy Bailey. And Tommy is just one of those guys, you know, just carries a lot of wisdom. Everywhere he goes, he just kind of sows seeds of wisdom. And he was my prayer partner. And every Sunday morning, he and I and one other gentleman meet together at 8 o'clock to pray. One day Tommy sat down in that office with me and he said, you know, pastor, I've been doing a lot of thinking. I think we need to change the name of the church. You know, we shouldn't be Second Baptist Church anymore. He said, I, I move that we change our name to Battlefield Baptist Church. He said, you see here, pastor, what I'm talking about is not a battle that exists between two families in the church that are powerful This is not a battle between this individual and that individual, he said. But pastor, there is a spiritual war taking place every time we meet. Can I remind you of what the apostle Paul wrote in Ephesians chapter 6, verse 10 through 12? There the apostle Paul wrote and said, Finally, be strong in the Lord and in the strength of his might. Put on the full armor of God so that you will be able to stand against the schemes of the devil. For our battle is not against flesh and blood. Friends, my my battle today is, is not against Bella. My battle today is not against Lloyd. My battle today is not against a Republican or a Democrat. My battle today is not against an Israeli or Palestinian. My battle today, the Bible says, is against the rulers, against the powers, against the world forces of this darkness, against the spiritual forces of wickedness in heavenly places. Friends, you and I are in a fight. Far too often we turn our faces away from it and act as if what is going on around us is simply Physical when there is something far more sinister beneath the surface. Friends, now is not the time for us as believers to put our spiritual blinders on. Now is the time for us as believers to look at things through a spiritual perspective, arising every day with the knowledge that we are in a spiritual war the moment our feet hit the floor every day. Well, here's the wonderful thing for us as believers. God has not left us without the ability to engage in this war. He's not left us without a battle plan for engagement. In fact, if you go on there in Ephesians 6, you know that Paul says to put on the full armor of God, and he begins to list the various pieces of that armor. And he says to put it on so that you can stand against the wiles of the devil. God has given us everything we need, not only to engage in this battle, but to overcome the evil one who seeks to kill, to steal, and destroy. And bes- besides that, or beyond that, the Holy Spirit actually inspired the Apostle Paul to record for us in the book of Romans what I like to call the marching orders of the saints. I want you to listen to with me at Romans chapter 6, verse 12 through 14. So what he says here. He says, Therefore, do not let sin reign in your mortal body so that you obey its lust. And do not go on presenting the members of your body to sin as instruments of unrighteousness, but present yourselves to God as those who are alive from the dead and your members as instruments of righteousness to God. Listen to verse 14. For sin shall not be master over you, for you are not under the law, you are under grace." Now, as we think about the battle or the marching orders of the saints today, I believe that Paul gives us four marching orders that we need to take to heart this morning as we consider this battle that is raging inside the room today for the souls of humanity. Uh, Number one, I I want you to see that I believe that Paul calls our attention to beware of the danger of easy believism. To beware of the danger of easy believism. If you remember from last week as we were talking about the end times and we were talking about all these things that are taking place and how it is looking like we are standing at the, the brink of the rapture and the second coming of the Lord Jesus Christ, you might remember that I quoted from two portions of Scripture from 1 Timothy and 2 Timothy, these final words of the Apostle Paul to his young protege, Timothy. And I want you to listen to these two verses again. One is from 1 Timothy chapter 4, in verse 1, it was there that Paul said, in later times, some will fall away from the faith, paying attention to deceitful spirits and doctrines of demons. He went on to write in his second letter to Timothy that a time will come when they will not endure sound doctrine, but wanting to have their ears tickled, they will accumulate or heap up for themselves. Teachers, in accordance to their own desires and will turn away their ears from the truth and will turn aside to myths. Paul highlights for us that one of the great tactics of the enemy in the last days is to multiply teachers who simply tell the audience what they want to hear. A watered-down gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ. That's what people want. By a watered-down gospel, what I mean is this. They want people who will shy away from telling them that they must deny themselves, take up the cross, and follow Christ. Instead, they would rather have a preacher, a teacher, that preaches a gospel which is sinless, wrathless, and is focused on the individual's feelings and dumbed down to a simple ABC process of salvation Coupled with a mythical prayer that is supposed to save the sinner How many testimonies have you and I heard over the years where a person says you know, I thought I was good? I mean, I I prayed the prayer Only to find out later That following Jesus meant so much more You know, I remember as a little boy being in vacation Bible school at Fellowship Baptist in Rock Hill, South Carolina and there was a pastor. His name was Pastor Rick. I, I do not remember his last name, but I remember we went through vacation Bible school, and we come to the very last night, as we often do. And, and we've been learning about Jesus learning about the Bible all week. And, and Pastor Rick got about a hundred kids in there, and I'll never forget this moment in my life. He, he looked out across us as kids, and he asked us the following question: He said, "How many of you children want to go to hell?" Well, just like you, nobody raised their hand. Everybody kept their hand down. He said, well, how many of you children want to go to heaven? It was 100%. Every one of us raised our hand. And then he said the following words, well, just pray this prayer and you'll go to heaven. Friends, as I look back at that moment in my life, I shudder at the thought of a man simply asking children, how many of you want to go to heaven instead of hell? Every kid wants to go to heaven. And so, of course, every kid in the room was going to pray this prayer of salvation. But the problem with this is seen in the multitudes of people who have prayed the prayer, yet we see no evidence of Christ in their life. The issue is, is that we have stopped telling people why they need to be saved, We have stopped telling people in the church today what they are being saved from and therefore conviction never grips their heart and they've bought into a message that is sold to them by an evangelist who is nothing more than a glorified vacuum cleaner salesman. Let me remind you this morning of the day of Pentecost. If you're turning your Bibles back to the book of Acts chapter number 2. The book of Acts chapter 2, I want to remind you of the day of Pentecost, and here the apostle Peter is preaching through the power of the Holy Spirit the gospel of Jesus. I'm gonna give my wife my jacket. She told me she was cold, and to give it to her if I took it off because I'm got hot up here. But so to listen to what Peter says, he's preaching through the power of the Holy Spirit the gospel of Jesus, and I want you to see how Peter doesn't hold anything back. He simply calls out the sin of the congregation. Look with me in Acts chapter 2, verse 22 through 23. He says, Men of Israel, listen to these words. Jesus the Nazarene, a man attested to you by God with miracles and wonders and signs which God performed through him in your midst, just as you yourselves know. This man delivered over by the predetermined plan and foreknowledge of God. Now listen, what does he say? You nailed him to a cross by the hands of godless men and put him to death. Now you jump on over there with me in Acts chapter 2 and you come down to verse 36 and listen to what Peter says there. He says, therefore, let all the house of Israel know for certain that God has made him both Lord and Christ, this Jesus whom you crucified. And listen to what the Bible says happened in verse 37. Now when they heard this, they were pierced To the heart, they were convicted of their sin. And they said to Peter and the rest of the apostles, Brethren, what shall we do? And notice what Peter does. He says, if I could get the praise team to come and stand behind me, and if I can get a little bit more keys over here and a little bit more of an organ over here, and if we could just play the guitar a little bit, and if everybody could just bow your heads and close your eyes. Nobody looking around now. And I don't want you to pray a simple prayer. It's not what the Bible says, is it? The Bible says when they were convicted, they said, Peter, what shall we do? And Peter said, repent, turn around, change course, go the other direction, sin no more. Now, I know what some of you are doing. You're scratching your head and you're saying, well, wait a minute, pastor, I've heard you lead people in a prayer of salvation in this sanctuary. So how can you reconcile the two? Well, indeed you have. But but let me highlight the difference for you of what that pastor did to this group of kids when I was 10 years old and what I do. Long before I ever ask you to pray a prayer of salvation, I tell you of your need to be saved and I tell you of what you're being saved from. And then I always preface the prayer by saying this, it is not a magical prayer that is going to save you. It's the prayer of your heart. I simply use that prayer of salvation as a guide for those who maybe have never prayed before. Understand, my dear brother and sister, that any gospel presentation must call people to repentance because the gospel is not good news at all if we don't tell people the bad news of their sinful condition. Furthermore, we're not accurately preaching the good news of the gospel and calling people to repentance from sin. And if we're not doing that, then we inadvertently create a culture of Christianity that looks, acts, and talks like the world all the while professing to wear the garments of Christ. It's no wonder that a lost world calls us hypocrites. Friends, it seems as if the lost world around us knows more about the message of Christ And what is supposed to produce in the believer than many who gather in the pews Sunday to Sunday? As Paul say there in Romans 6, he says, therefore. And remember that any time that you see therefore in the scriptures, you have to ask the question, what is it therefore? You see that therefore links everything that, that preceded it with everything that follows it. It's almost an if-then statement. If all that's true, then everything after the therefore will be true as well. So when you consider the therefore here, understand that it is linked directly back to the argument that Paul began about our sanctification in chapter 6, verse number 1. Sanctification, the setting apart of a believer into the image of the lord jesus christ the work of the holy spirit and this is his argument that flows naturally out of what he concludes about justification go back with me to chapter 5 verse 20 listen to what it says here the law came in so that the transgression would increase but where sin increased grace abounded all the more so that as sin reigned in death even so grace would reign through righteousness to eternal life, through Jesus Christ our Lord. What shall we say then? Are we to continue in sin so that grace may increase? May it never be. How shall we who died to sin still live in it? Do you not know that all of us who have been baptized into Christ Jesus have been baptized into his death? Therefore, we have been buried with him through baptism into death, so that as Christ was raised from the dead through the glory of the Father, so we too as believers might walk in the newness of life. For if we have become united with him or planted with him in the likeness of his death, certainly we shall also be in the likeness of his resurrection, knowing this, that our old self was crucified with him in order that the body of sin might be done away with. So we would no longer be slaves to sin, for he who has died is freed from sin. Now, if we have died with Christ, we believe we shall also live with him, knowing that Christ, having been raised from the dead, is never to die again. Death no longer is master over him. For the death that he died, he died to sin once for all, but the life that he lives, he lives to God. Even so, consider yourselves to be dead to sin, but alive to God in Christ Jesus. Therefore, therefore, considering all of that, taking all this knowledge into account that you have died to sin and you are alive in Christ, Paul says what? He says, do not let sin reign in your mortal body do not let sin have dominion do not let sin sit upon the throne of your heart as king as a matter of fact as those who are alive from the dead how could you this is in the modern day gospel the modern day gospel is light on sin and heavy on self you're told to take the steps of self-transformation You're told week to week how to live your best life now. You're told how to make every day a Sunday. You're told your breakthrough is coming. You're told the favor and the blessing of God are about to flow because you sowed your seed in faith, but you are never told that you are a sinner in need of salvation. And you are never told that this salvation can only come through the Lord Jesus Christ who died on the cross of Calvary for your sins, resurrected three days later, ascended to the Father, and is coming back. Friends, I want you to know that I make no apologies for telling you the truth. I love you too much to let you walk in darkness. I love you too much than to let you go to hell. I love you too much... And to stand up here and teach to you and preach to you a watered-down or shallow gospel. The Bible teaches that the gospel will change the hearer. The Bible teaches that the gospel will change the person who says yes to Jesus. How could we ever be the same when we give our lives to Christ? We can't. We can't be the same. But that doesn't mean that the war is over, does it? The war rages on. Is there anybody in the room this morning that would raise their hand and testify and say, you know what? The day of my salvation, the battle against sin just stopped. I don't sin anymore. Nobody would say that because you know the battle rages on. And that's the second marching order. Paul wants us to understand the nature of the new man. You see, if, if we're going to win this battle, we've got to know who we are in Christ. Listen to what he says. Therefore, do not let sin reign in your mortal body, your fallen body, your carnal, fleshly self, the body that came from dust and will return to dust. Do not let sin reign in your mortal body so that you obey its lust. What does Paul highlight for us here? If not the simple fact that although we have been saved from sin through the power of the Lord Jesus Christ, and although we have been regenerated by the Holy Spirit, born again, made new, this does not render us incapable of sin. In fact, as we think about our war against sin, it truly begins the day we give our life to Christ. You see, before salvation, You were enslaved to sin. You weren't fighting against it. You were shackled by it. You were in chains to it. You were enslaved to a wicked taskmaster who tyrannically ruled over you. Yet Jesus came in and he broke the chains. Jesus came in and set you free. He released you from the bondage of sin. He paid the ransom for our freedom. Yet don't think for a moment that our old slave master doesn't long to see you shackled once again. Don't think for a moment that he wouldn't willingly take you back into the fold if he could lay his hands on you. In fact, if you could think about this war that is raging as two fields, if you had one field that was the field of Satan and one field that was owned by Christ, Understand that for those of us who have given our life to Christ, we are safe and secure in the fold, in the field of the Lord. However, don't you ever forget that the enemy stands at the fence and he beckons you every day to come back to the old way of life. Can I tell you this morning, the enemy longs for you to return. He calls your name, he tempts, he taunts, he reminds he tirelessly and relentlessly works to enslave us again paul mentions this war in galatians 5:17 he says for the flesh sets its desire against the spirit and the spirit against the flesh for these are in opposition to one another paul says there's a war taking place in your body between flesh and spirit they are opposed so that you cannot do the things that you please Listen to what he says here in the book of Romans chapter 7, beginning in verse 14. Now, I'll preface this by saying this is a bit of a tongue twister. As a matter of fact, the other day I had Tucker read this to me in my office, and he he had a hard time getting through it. But it's a beautiful text, but I want you to listen to it. And it highlights this wrestling within. What does Paul say? For we know that the law is spiritual, but I am flesh, sold into the bondage of sin. For what I am doing, I do not understand. For I'm not practicing what I would like to do, but I'm doing the very thing I hate. But if I do the very thing I do not want to do, I agree with the law, confessing that the law is good. So now no longer am I the one doing it, but sin which dwells in me. For I know that nothing good dwells in me, that is, in my flesh. For the willing is present in me, but the doing of the good is not. For the good that I want, I do not do. But I practice the very evil that I do not want. But if I'm doing the very thing I do not want, I'm no longer the one doing it, but sin which dwells in me. I find in this principle that evil is present in me, the one who wants to do good. For I joyfully concur with the law of God in the inner man. But I see a different law in the members of my body waging war against the law of my mind and making me a prisoner of the law of sin which is in my members. Listen, wretched man that I am, who will set me free from this body of death? Thanks be to God through Jesus Christ our Lord. So then, on the one hand, I myself with my mind am serving the law of God, but on the other with my flesh, the law of sin. This is the Apostle Paul. This is the man who wrote 13 books of the New Testament. This is the Apostle Paul who teaches us the doctrines of justification, sanctification, glorification, regeneration, adoption. This is the Apostle Paul. And yet he says there is a war that is raging in the inner man. And I will tell you, friends, as your pastor, I personally feel this war every day the old man has been put to death but let me tell you he would resurrect if not for the power of the Lord Jesus Christ keeping him crucified and buried the same is true in your life every day that you live that old man he pleads with me just let me live another day just one more day of fun One more day of unsober living. One more day of sexual immorality. One more day enjoying the pleasures of the flesh. But I have a new king. I have a new master. I have a new beloved who sits upon the throne of my heart and I make it my aim to live a life which is pleasing to him. I don't know about you, but as a believer in the Lord Jesus Christ, the further I I get with him, the further I mature in my walk with him, the less attractive the world becomes to me. The things that used to grip me are now just mere reminders of a life that seems so distant now. But Do you know what happens? It's the funniest thing, the strangest thing. Although the desires for those old vices aren't as strange as they once were, the enemy has cunningly and suddenly came in with a new set of desires that I didn't even know were strongholds that I needed the Lord to conquer. The desire for popularity, selfish ambition, pride, envy, greed, A desire to have more than I currently have the constant temptation to be relevant in a world where success is measured by how many people fill the pews and with just as much fervor as I had in the war against drugs and alcohol and sexual immorality I have to rely that much harder on the power of the Holy Spirit within because you see here's the here's the the thing These are sins which no one else sees. For they're buried underneath the surface of my heart, and you would never know they were there if I hadn't told you. I could allow them to conjure. I could allow them to stir without your knowledge. But friends, I don't want to live in sin. I want to live a life which is pleasing to the Lord Jesus Christ. I want to live a life that brings glory to him. I want to live a life of holiness. I want to live a life of separation, which is the product of sanctification, which this entire chapter has introduced us to. And that's your third marching order. In this battle against sin, you you have this danger of easy believism to not really fully understand the nature of the gospel. Paul is encouraging you to remember the nature of the new man, that you are never completely immune from this this life of sin and this battle that is raging. But then thirdly, he gives you this, a call to separation. A call to separation. You know, I'll never forget this moment in my life as a minister. I had a young lady that was attending the church, and, and it was a pretty rough time in her life. She had been separated from her husband, and there was this fierce custody battle that had taken place between uh, the husband and the wife. And and the husband had spread some pretty malicious rumors about the, the young mom. Now, these rumors proved to be false. That's why I call them rumors. But at the time, they seemed very true. These things were testified to under oath, and it led to the Department of Social Services coming to her home and removing her only daughter from her care and giving the daughter to the husband. And I didn't know this young lady at the time, but I'll never forget because we were in the middle of a a great revival that was taking place. This revival would last for seven weeks, 50 days. And we're about eight or nine days into this revival when this young girl showed up to the church. She's in her early 20s, and she said to me, she said, Pastor, you know, these rumors have been spread, and and, and they've taken my little girl away. And and I, I want you to pray with me that this little girl would get to come home. And I told the mom when I would tell anybody in that situation, I said, well, listen, this is what I'm going to do. I'm going to pray for you that, that God's will would be done, that the truth would be revealed. And if these rumors are false, then the little girl would be able to come home. But if they proved to be true, that the girl would be safe. So that's what we prayed. But I'll never forget this because during that, during that 50-day revival, every night we were gathering together for prayer at midnight. And so this, this girl started coming to midnight, coming to pray at midnight. And, and every day, She would come and she would get in that altar and she would weep and cry and ask God to send her little girl home. And we as a church, we loved on her. We put our hands on her. We gave her references and all these things in order for God to answer this prayer if this would be the best interest of the little girl. And sure enough, after about 35 days or so, she calls me on the phone one Friday and she says, Pastor, our prayers have been answered. Little girl's getting to come home oh that's great so proud and this was about three o'clock on a friday afternoon and we had revival services that evening and so six o'clock rolls around and i begin to look for her and her little girl and she's not there but i didn't think too much about it i mean after all she had just been restored to home and mama trying to get her back in her routine and those sorts of things you know I, i completely understand so that was friday night saturday night comes and she didn't show up for service again. And once again, I kind of had the same thoughts. Well, maybe, you know, uh, this little girl and just getting home, getting reacclimated, uh, you know, maybe that's why they're not here. Sunday morning came. She still wasn't there. Sunday night, just before service, my friend J.D. Wilson, some of you know J.D. Uh, J.D.'s been here to preach Bald Head and uh, just, just uh, like a, I call him the pit bull preacher, man. He just preaches with all his might. He's a good little fella. And, 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 and J.D., I'll never forget it. He comes to my office and he says, have you, have you seen Facebook? And I said, no, I haven't seen it. He said, let me show you this. And so he pulls up these images of this girl's Facebook page. And on Saturday night, the night after, God had restored this girl to home. She had posted pictures all over a social media page of her in the bar getting drunk with a caption that read, we are celebrating the little girl coming home. And I want you to listen to what J.D. Wilson said to me. I'll never forget it. It forever changed the trajectory of my ministry. J.D. looked at me and he said, you know what the problem is, don't you? He said, what's wrong with the church today is this. We don't preach separation anymore. Friends, his words were and are a true and vivid reminder of just how far we have fallen from the true gospel of Christ Jesus and what it produces in the believer. Listen to what he says in verse 13. And do not, that's funny. Paul says we've come out from under the law, but here he gives us a command. And do not go on presenting the members of your body to sin as instruments of unrighteousness. But present yourselves to God as those alive from the dead and your members as instruments of righteousness to God. The word for instruments there in the Greek actually means weapons used for war. So what Paul literally writes is this, do not go on using the members of your body as weapons of unrighteousness. But use the members of your body as weapons for righteousness. Have you ever considered that thought before? That every member of your body is either a weapon of unrighteousness or righteousness. Have you ever considered today that your hands, your feet, your eyes, your ears, your mouth, Indeed, your entire body is either a weapon for good or a weapon for evil. Your entire body is either a weapon to fight the enemy or it's a weapon to fight against the enemy. Your body is either a weapon in the army of Satan or a weapon in the army of the Lord. Need I remind you of what the apostle Paul teaches in 1 Corinthians chapter 6. In 1 Corinthians 6, Paul says that our bodies are a temple of the Holy Spirit. Now you go back to the Old Testament, and in the Old Testament you remember that the Holy Spirit dwelt beyond the veil in the tabernacle, dwelt beyond the, uh, dwelt beyond the veil in the temple, and could only be accessed once a year by the high priest, the presence of God. And he could only do this once a year after he offered sacrifice for himself. And sacrifice for the people you could not just come at any point that you wanted to into the presence of God lest you die yet in the New Testament because of the finished work of the Lord Jesus Christ the Spirit of God that once dwelt beyond the veil now dwells within therefore we our bodies are temples of the Holy Spirit. This is what Paul says in Colossians is the mystery hidden for ages, Christ in you, the hope of glory. Now, here's the thing. We read the Old Testament, and as we read the Old Testament, we come along to these stories of how people would desecrate, defile the temple. We read stories such as them burning down the temple of Solomon and leading the uh, the Jewish people into captivity in Babylon. And then we watch in the Bible as these Babylonian kings take the instruments of the Lord's temple, those things that were consecrated for worship, and they use them in their lavish parties and mock the gods of Israel or the God of Israel. And we writhe in horror at the thought. The thought of someone taking something that would belong to God, to be an instrument uh, of worship and to use it as an object of sin and their lust-filled escapades. Can I just remind you this morning that all those things we see are inanimate objects. They had no life in them. They were just objects of silver or gold. Why do we not react with an even greater disgust in our hearts, when our bodies, which are meant to be a temple of the Holy Spirit, are used as weapons and instruments of sin. Why are we not incensed this morning when our tongues, which are consecrated for praise, which are consecrated for the proclamation of truth? Why are we not incensed when our tongues Lead us into sin as we gossip against our brother and sister in Christ or we use foul language or we indulge in coarse joking. Why are we not convicted when our hands, which should be employed in useful labor for the Lord and His cause, are instead used to reach out and touch those things which are forbidden? When they strike a brother or sister or they steal those things which don't rightfully belong to us, why are we not gripped with godly sorrow when our feet, which should be used in swift service of our great Lord Jesus Christ and should not go into the path of iniquity, lead us to places that are not becoming for saints to frequent, when they lead us back to places that we used to journey to or we're running from God's call upon our life? Why are we not grieved in our hearts when our eyes which should contemplate his works and excite thanksgiving and praise, are instead consumed with lust for a person who isn't our spouse. Why are we not distraught when our ears, which are meant to enjoy the sweet songs of the saints, instead are used to listen to words of deceit or songs with disgusting lyrics that lead us astray? Should our ears not instead be open to catch the voice of God as He he utters His will through the book of truth, the Bible? Or as He speaks His truth in the wind or the rolling thunder or the sound of the waves or the great events of His providence? God is speaking to us every day, and we should hear Him. God spreads His glories before us, and we should see Him with our eyes and employ our tongues to praise Him. He commands our hands and our heart and our feet should be swift to obey. Friends, we are to be separate. Our bodies are to be instruments of righteousness. We are to be different than the rest of the world. We're to be sojourners, aliens, heaven's citizens come down to earth with the ministry of reconciliation upon our lips. Our lives to be opposite to the lives of the unbelievers. Can this be said of you? What are you using your members for? Unrighteousness or righteousness? This battle against sin. Paul gives us one final marching order as we come to a close, and this marching order is to remember grace. Remember grace. What does he say? For sin shall not be master over you. For you are not under the law, but under grace. He concludes his opening section on the doctrine of sanctification once again, urging us to remember the grace in which we stand. Remember that you've been saved from sin. You've been saved from the wrath of God, which is the just penalty that you and I Deserved by the power of the Lord Jesus Christ. This is the gospel. Therefore, you're no longer under the law. Friends, you're no longer under the law which cannot save. You're no longer under the law which condemns. You're not, no longer under the law which demands our works. No longer under the law which creates in us a desire and a propensity for sin. No longer under the sin or under the law which reminds us of of our sin and the sacrifices that are offered day after day, year after year, but can offer and provide no actual atonement. You're no longer under the law which calls out your sin but doesn't give you the power to overcome the sin which shackles you. But you're under grace. You're under the grace of God. You are under the unmerited favor which only he has the right to bestow. You are under grace which is procured through a relationship with the Lord Jesus Christ. Under grace which is available through the finished work of Christ Jesus on the cross of Calvary. You are under grace that is available to anyone who would confess with their mouth Jesus is Lord and believe in their heart that God raised him from the dead. You were under grace and reconciled to a holy God in this battle, which is raging inside the room today in your fight, in your daily war against sin. Remember, you were under grace. Now, why is that important? Why is that important? I remember years ago listening to a friend of mine, Michael Anderson, preach in Zambia as we were there together, and I'll never forget what Michael said. He stood before that congregation of people, and he said, in my fight against sin, I preach the gospel to myself every day. And I don't know about you, but that's a practice that I have employed every day to remind myself of who I am without Christ, and whose I am in Christ. When was the last time, dear friend, that you journeyed back in your mind to the day of grace? When was the last time you journeyed back into your mind that moment that you walked the aisle of the church and gave your heart to Christ? When was the last time that you journeyed in your mind back to that place where maybe you were a little boy or a little girl and you were alone in your room nobody else was around it was just you and God and you felt his presence and you remember the sweet songs of of the saints which you heard on Sundays and the sweet words of John three sixteen, and cried out to a holy God to save you when was the last time that, that maybe you went back to that moment when when you were hiding in a closet because You were in fear of an abusive partner and you cried out to God to save you. When was the last time maybe you went to that jail cell that you found yourself in and somebody gave you a Bible and you prayed to receive the Lord Jesus Christ? Remember grace. Remember the high price that was paid for your salvation. Remember where God brought you from. Remember when you were lost and undone, when you had no hope, you had nowhere to turn, when you had run as far as you could run and you found yourself at the very bottom and remember who it was that was there to pick you up. It was him. How could you ever go back? How could you ever go back to that previous life? How could you ever go back and hold him up to contempt, and allow his name to be defiled by not continuing the grace and the salvation which was so richly poured out upon you. Friends, we are in a war. We can't go back. Now is not the time to buy into a watered-down gospel that preaches easy believism. Now is the time to understand the nature of the new man, the fight that we're in, to strive to live a life of holiness, to remember grace and proclaim this free gift of grace offered through Christ Jesus to a lost and dying world. So in this moment, as we think about these marching orders for the saints, beware of easy believism, the nature of the new man. Separation to sin, remembering grace. I just want to ask you this question. How are you doing? How are you doing in your fight against sin? I mean, if you were to truly have to step on the stage and give an honest assessment of where you stand today in your battle against sin, how are you doing? For the believer in the room Maybe today has just been a reminder of just how desperately you need to tap into the power of Christ every day. I had a professor in Bible college and one said, do you realize that you have all the power as a believer in Christ to never sin again? The only problem is you don't tap into the power. Maybe today you're being reminded as a believer in the Lord Jesus Christ of the Holy Spirit within and and the desire for separation and holiness that he has for your life. And maybe today you would recommit yourself to say, you know what, we're right here at the end. And can I just remind you, as you look at these texts in the Bible, rapture and second coming, there's always a subsequent call to holiness. Therefore, as you know the day of the Lord is approaching, this is the kind of person you ought to be. Holy, blameless, undefiled. How are you doing? And maybe somebody here today has never given their life to Christ Jesus. But today, for the very first time, you realize, you know what? I've never truly been saved. I was one of those who prayed a prayer and thought that was good enough. But today I've realized that's not good enough. There's not a prayer I need as a person. I need to give my life to Jesus Christ. If that's you, we're going to ask you to make a bold step here in just a moment. Brother Caleb's going to come, and he's going to lead us in a hymn of invitation. And if you need to be saved, if you feel the Holy Spirit's conviction on your heart right now, what did Peter say? Repent and be baptized in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ, and you will receive the forgiveness of your sin and the gift of the Holy Spirit. If you need to be saved, and we're going to ask you to take a bold step out in this aisle and come take me by the hand and say, Pastor, today's the day I need to give my life to Christ. I need to be saved. However God's moving on your heart, I'm here for you. If you need to pray, believers, you pray along with us this morning as we sing this song, Lord, I need you. Would you stand to your feet as we sing together? This is your time of invitation. You come. for his work and what he's doing here at Flat Creek Baptist. Listen, just two quick announcements for you. you need to make sure you get this. Uh, every year we are participants in... Um Uh, the, uh, what was it, Samaritan's Purse, I'm sorry, Samaritan's Purse uh, Shoebox Ministry, uh, sending Christmas gifts all over the world to kids in need of Christmas gifts so that they can tell them about the love of the Lord Jesus Christ. If you are one of those folks like to put together those shoeboxes, they are available beside the double doors today. If you could take those and just return those to us the second Sunday in November, that would be a great blessing. So please grab some of those on your way out. Uh, Also, tonight is a very special night here at Flat Creek. Uh, Tonight we're going to be ordaining a new deacon, Mr. Michael Turk. Y'all give Michael his big hand. Michael is here in our first service today, and he'll be back tonight. If you are an ordained man and you would like to be a part of Michael's ordination council, That's going to be at 5 o'clock this afternoon in the building that's just beside us here. Uh, You'll see us going in. That's at 5 o'clock this afternoon. If you'd like to be a part of that ordination council, that's open to anybody, ordained man who's a deacon or minister who would like to come to that and be a part of that. And then tonight at 6 o'clock, we're going to be having an ordination service right here. I want to encourage you to come back. I know I know it's Sunday night and many of you like to have family time on Sunday evenings, those things, and we don't typically have service. But I want you to come back. This is something that's rooted in church history. It's 2,000 years old. And you need to come and be a part. Let your kids see it. You want to come see it, okay? It's a special night as we ordain Michael Turk. There will be a reception afterwards. That'll get all Southern Baptists back. Amen. There'll be a reception afterwards, so please come back tonight. Listen, if you'd like to give to Flat Creek, you can give on your way out the doors, or you can always give online at flatcreekchurch.net. Thank Pastor you, so- Zach.
2: We have one thing we need to do real quick. All right. If you don't mind, would you step back up here? Miss Dana is gonna be making her way up here, and I can't let this go. We've got to embarrass you a little bit in front of everybody because you're old. You turned forty-one. So, oh, oh, oh my goodness. Can we sing happy birthday to Pastor Zach real quickly? Happy birthday. There, there's some there's some special information you need to know about this. Okay. I'm going to let Miss Dana share with you real quick. Okay. Real fast, real fast. Okay. So this is a handmade prayer journal for you.
0: Oh, okay. the wow. The
2: paper of that prayer journal contains the bulletins from the past year and handwritten prayers from our parishioners.
0: Amen. So it is infused, <laughs> with, infused prayer for you. with prayer. Infused with Thank you so much, Flat Creek. You never know how much I love you as your pastor. I love you so much. Thank y'all. And I told Caleb I was going to get him back for that. And he said, you already did when you embarrassed me on my 10 year anniversary two weeks ago. So we're even now. Revenge is a dish best served cold. Thank you so much guys. Thank you. Thank you so much. Listen, we're going to ask brother Caleb Lane to close us down with a word of prayer. Uh, As we uh, depart today Thank you so much for your time this morning Look forward to seeing you tonight, Brother Caleb, if you'll pray for us
2: Lord, we thank you for such a special day of worship On campus here at Flat Creek Lord, I pray that as we go our separate ways Lord, I pray that we would take the things we've been challenged with uh, To heart and we would apply them to our daily lives Outside of these four walls Where we so readily accept them And then forget them as we leave Lord, I pray that would be our heart I pray it would be our conviction Uh, As we leave, keep us safe and bring us back together next week So we can worship you together with our church family Again
0: Thank you so much for joining us on the Sunday stream here at Flat Creek Baptist Church in Gainesville, Georgia. I am Pastor Zach Williams, and it is a great honor to have you join us through our online platform. It is our belief here at Flat Creek Baptist that you should be connected to a local congregation. And so if you are in the Gainesville, Georgia area, we want to encourage you to come out and be a part of what God is doing in our midst. There's nothing like being connected to a local body of believers. However, if you are tuning in today and you are not from the Gainesville, Georgia area and you're tuning in from some other place on earth, what we're gonna encourage you to do is get attached to a local body of believers under good, sound, biblical doctrinal preaching so that you can be encouraged in your walk with the Lord Jesus Christ and allow Flat Creek Baptist and our Sunday stream to just be a supplement to what God is doing in your life. Friends, I thank you so much once again for joining us. God bless you. And for more information, you can visit our website, flatcreekchurch.net. Glory FM, your family radio station in North Georgia. Hi,
2: I'm Father Stephen Ritt.